Welcome to the Swim Swam Podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. Joining me today, we've got a very special guest. He's an NCAA champion, World University Games champion, World Championships team member, medalist uh, on the 800 free relay, and recently announced his retirement from swimming. Today, we're talking to Reed Malone. Hello. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So you, you made this comeback, uh, and on, on your journey, you know, you're trying to make the 2020, 2021 Olympic team. Um, you retired after the 2016 trials, you, you took some time away from the sport. We're going to, we're going to get to all that Great. eventually on this podcast, but, um, you recently announced your retirement just a few months before trials. And, uh, you know, I'll let, I'll just let you kind of have the floor and tell me about what went into that decision for you. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I was dealing with uh, my, my left shoulder has been bothering me recently and, um, you know, kind of, it would kind of tweak out of practice sometimes, but I kind of just went through it and thought that I could, you know, last out to the, to the trials at least. Um, and, you know, I wasn't swimming that well, but I thought it'd, it'd be fine. Like I just keep working hard and it'll be okay. And then, uh, about three weeks ago at practice, we were doing like hundreds fast and I was splitting the lane with someone and he kind of forgot that we were splitting the lane. I came off the wall and just, we just nailed heads and I got a, a pretty bad concussion. And uh, it just kind of was like a sign that maybe I should rethink, you know, what I'm doing. And um, it, it was kind of a blessing and a curse because like, I mean, I have a concussion, which kind of stank, stunk, but it also just kind of forced me to sit in a room alone like I couldn't look at my phone I couldn't watch tv just because it hurt my head so just kind of had to think about things and uh I came to the realization that like I'm just really chasing this Olympic dream because I thought that that would make my career a success and I think that was really backwards and the way I was thinking was you know wrong I, I think that I had like a really successful career not only like you know like you know, I had success in the pool, but more so out of it. Like I had met so many great people and had so many cool experiences that I would never have had before. Like I've been, to, I literally one summer I traveled around the world. Like I went from LA to Korea, to Italy, to Russia, and then all the way back to LA, like literally around the globe. And like, when would you ever do that otherwise? So, you know, I came to the realization that my career has been a success in my eyes, at least. And that's really all that matters at the end of the day. Um, and, you know, I'm kind of excited to figure out what's next and try new things and see if I like it. And if not, I can, you know, always pivot. So we'll see. We'll see what, what comes next. Yeah. And I, I, it's so great to hear you say that because I think the narrative of that Olympic dream is pushed so much, especially in our sport. I can't speak to other sports, but in swimming, you know, you were, you were successful if you're an Olympian and that's how it is pushed and marketed. And if you're not, then I get Sure. Yeah. You're a swimmer and you swam, right. <laughs> but if you're an Olympian, that yeah. is success. And it's, it's, it's really refreshing and great to hear you say that. Um, and I mean, I, I, I want to 
dive into that a little bit. Do you remember when that Olympic dream started for you? Um, yeah, you know, I mean, 2008, when I watched um, Phelps win eight gold medals, like I think I was 13, um, 2008, like going into eighth grade. And I played a bunch of different sports. Like I played baseball and basketball. I swam, of course. I um, played soccer for a second. Um, that didn't last very long. I can't run very well. Um, and I, uh, you know, that was kind of an important time because at least in my area, it's kind of, a, we, we don't, basketball and swimming were kind of my two big sports and you can't do both at the same time in high school because they're the same season. So I kind of had to pick one. And that was really like a, wow, you can do that in swimming. That's amazing. Like, look at what, like, look at all he's accomplished. So that kind of like planted the seed, I guess, but it didn't really become a reality until I got to college. I think, um, you know, Dave Saylor recruited me and he was like, I want to put you on the Olympic team. Like you can make it. I think you can do it. You have the talent. And um, I was like, great, that sounds good. Like, you know, whatever you say, Dave, like I thought he was just trying to get me on the team. And then uh, my freshman year, I had quite a bit of success. And that summer I made the um, Pampac team. And I was like, whoa, this could, this could be a real thing. Like, you know, I was on a team with Lochte and Phelps and like Mac Reavers and all these people that I had looked up to for so long. And uh, I was there. I was like, wow, this is, this could be a real reality. And then I made the world champs team along with the Pampac team and got to win a silver medal. And um, so I guess it didn't really become like a real goal until college but it was always kind of a you know every kid wants to make the olympics and win gold medals so um yeah i guess not till college to answer your question yeah i mean and, and that's that's a that's a great anecdote because again you you got to be on that team you got to ascent you, you didn't get to be on an olympic team but you got to be on a team with the same people right yeah, <laughs> and yeah, with, exactly. with, i mean did you did you get to interact with them much in terms of just asking them about, you know, what their experience, not just on an Olympic team, but on a national team was like, and, and takeaways you got from just being around those veterans. Yeah, I was pretty shy on those trips. I didn't really, at least around, you know, those guys. Um, so I didn't say much. I was in, in at Pampax, I was in uh, Bob Bowman's training group, like in the um, staging camp before, uh, before the meet. And, you know, Michael was in our group and I didn't ask many questions. I just kind of observed what he was doing and um, listened to like everything he said. And the biggest takeaway I had was that like, he doesn't really worry about, I, all of them don't really worry about like what other people are doing. They're just really confident in like how they're preparing and uh, what they do. And they don't worry about like, if someone else is doing this thing, should I be doing that? Uh, and that really stuck with me. Um, but in terms of like a national team experience, I kind of just, I didn't really like want to ask what their, uh, experiences were like, because I wanted to like figure it out for myself and be like, this was my experience. Like it was a pretty good one. And, um, I did, but I did learn a lot, like, you know, just observing the great, even the, the people my age, like, you know, Ryan Murphy was on that trip with me, Jacob Pebley, uh, Leah Smith, Kayla Decky, like just observing my peers as well. Like you know, you, you learn a lot. So um, I guess I didn't really learn about their experiences so much, but I've definitely learned a lot in mine. And I, yeah, I, I really appreciate that perspective as well of just observing and, and learning from that more silent, methodical uh, 
method. And mm-hmm. I'm, to, to me, that makes a lot of sense. I feel like that I've also had that experience from the media side of things, just yeah. watching how other people go about asking questions or interviewing someone. And um, yeah, that's, that's really interesting. And so then you get to 2016 Olympic trials. And I mean, for anyone who hasn't been to an Olympic trials, it's unlike any other meet. You can't really, you can tell someone what it's like, but they won't understand until they're actually there. Had you been in 2012? Yes, I was there in 2012. Okay. Um, so I, Got to watch while I swam, but um, you know I wasn't really in contention to make any the team or anything. I was kind of just happy to be there in 2012. And I remember in the 400, I was um, in the same heat as Matt McLean, hmm. and I went out really fast the first hundred. I was winning, and the camera like follows you on the side of the pool. And when I breathed in my right, I could see the camera. And it was following me and I was like, oh man, I'm in first. This is crazy. And then as the race went on, like it started to, you know, inch further and further away from me. And I, you know, but it was a great experience and uh, it definitely prepared me for 2016. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's just unlike any other meet, you know, there's, it's like uh, when NBA players talk about the playoffs or NFL players talk about the playoffs and they're like, yeah, you just experience is huge and you can't really explain it to like, the younger guys because like you just have to be there. It's kind of the same thing. Like, there is no other meet where there's, I don't know how many thousands of people are watching you and there's fire on the side of the pool that goes up when they make the team. And there's just so much pressure and everyone is like on their toes. And it's just really, you can kind of feel like the intensity in the air. Um, I can only equate it to Illinois state meet. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had the chance to go, but it's kind of the same thing where like, I mean, not as intense, but it's like three-sided seating and there's a bunch of people there and, and there's no warm down pool. It's a really small old pool. And um, so I was a, a little bit prepared for that, but you know, it's not nearly on the same scale as Olympic trials. And uh, yeah, I think in 2012, I had, I was kind of happy to be there in 2016. I really had the goal to make the team. Yeah. And Illinois state, Ohio state, high school mm, state, yeah. two, mm. two meets that I've heard a lot about of that I would love to go to one year, because like you said, it's just three-sided old pools and it's, people are getting so intense. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. And it, I mean, it is crazy. I, I've had the privilege of going to the last two Olympic trials and, and yeah, it's, it's a meet. It's indescribable. It's mm-hmm. you can, you can cut the tension in the air. Yeah, and, absolutely. I mean, so as a, you had been in 2012, but as a contender, Hmm. what was the pressure like for you just in in your own head? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, so I was seated fifth in the 200 going into the meet, Um, you know, in top six, make the team. So uh, yeah, in my head, it was like, I gotta, I gotta perform. I gotta do this. I gotta make the team. And um, it wasn't so much, you know, most of the time when I like approach a meet, at least before that meet, it was just like, I've done the work. I'll, you know, it'll, it'll work out. Like, and if it doesn't, it doesn't, that's okay. Um, but in 2016, it was kind of, I kind of changed that. And I was like worried about if I prepared enough and if my taper was right. And if I was, if I was lifting enough and, you know, just all these little things. And if I was eating right leading up to the games and getting enough sleep and, you know, just starting to stress about the little things that I was doing right, but was still worried about. Um, and I think that just took a lot of, you know, emotional energy out of me. And then, you know, when I got to the meet, I had kind of like 
you know, not on purpose, but the way I swim most of my races was kind of, I was a back half guy. So like my 200, I would almost even split uh, my 400. I would almost almost even split that year at pack 12s. I won the 500. I think I was out in 207 and came back in 204. So, you know, I was a big back half guy, but I, I just did that naturally. I didn't really try to do that. And I got in my head about it and I was like, okay, you're a back half swimmer. Just go really easy. The first hundred and you'll be fine. And, you know, I think I went a little too easy and then I got my own head that I was too far behind. And I tried to come back and it wasn't working. And, you know, there's so many thoughts going in my head and I swim. I think everyone swims the best when they're just not thinking at all. They're just in the moment. Um, and I kind of lost that in 2016. I think that's a big reason why I didn't make it. Um, because you know, my best time I think would have been fourth or fifth. Um, and I had improved uh, dramatically in the short course 200 that year in college. So, you know, everything was kind of lining up and, you know, hindsight, I probably just sort of had more confidence in that I was doing everything right. But, um, you know, hindsight's 2020 and, and, uh, I did, I learned a lot, not only about my swimming, just, but about myself and, um, learning how to deal with like, you know, uh, insecurity and uncertainty, like leading up to something that is important to you. So, yeah, I think, uh, I didn't make the team, but I think I learned a lot more, about myself by not making the team, if that makes sense. Um, Silver lining there, but yeah. Yeah. And, and so then 2016 trials, you don't make the team. Like you said, you learned a lot. Do you feel like that impacted your, the rest of that portion of your career moving forward after trials in in either a positive or a negative way? Yeah. I think immediately I was really upset, like pretty sad about not making the team. And I thought I let people down and I thought that, um, you know, I let myself down. And I think my last year of college wasn't as good as I wanted to be because I was so, you know, down on myself. And I kind of like questioned like what kind of, I don't know, I just started questioning things that I'd never questioned before. Um, but, you know, when I took some time off of swimming after I finished school, I kind of, you know, looked back and, you know, it helped to not be in the sport for a little bit look back and was like, okay, I can fix this and this. And, um, you know, if I ever go back, I can, you know, try to do something this different. And, um, so I think immediately, no, I didn't learn anything. <laughs> I think I was just a little too upset that I, you know, had this big goal and didn't quite make it, but I think, you know, in the long term, yeah, I definitely learned so much about how to approach a, a, a high pressure situation and how to kind of take, that pressure off of you because, you know, who was really putting pressure on me besides myself? Like I, I think other, I realized that other people would be really happy for me if I made it, but they wouldn't think any less of me if I didn't make it. And I think I put a lot of pressure on myself that other people were really, really wanted me to make it. And I was disappointing my coaches or my parents or whatever. And I mean, they didn't care. I mean, they cared, but you know, they didn't, they would not look at me differently. Um, and so I, I shouldn't look at myself any differently. And, you know, just came to a lot of good realizations a little bit after the fact. And I think that helped like fuel my comeback a little bit. Yeah. And I think it's hard for a lot of people to come to that realization of people will be happy for me if I achieve this goal, but people aren't going to think different of me, dislike me, judge me if I don't realize this goal. And um, like you said, that fed into 
this, this, your second part of your career or this, you know, most recent phase of your career. And Mm. I mean, having, having had that portion be over now, what do you feel like you've gained from that comeback that you made? Yeah, I think I learned, um, I learned that I'm pretty resilient (laughs) and that, um, you know, I wasn't having, like pretty quickly I had, I was going a lot faster than I thought I would. Um, you know, when I came back to that, we talked at that meet uh, in Iowa and I like kind of, I, I went like 353 and 149. I was like, whoa, this is, I was after about four or five months of being back. I was like, nice, this is great. Um, and then it kind of slowed down. It did that, that improvement, like kind of a J curve, right? Like it was really quick and then it got harder and harder to get fat faster. Um, and I, I it could have, I think it could have really got me down that I didn't, I wasn't going faster quick, like quickly enough, but uh, didn't, I kind of just stuck with it and trusted that I was putting in the work that needed to be put in. Um, And I think it helped me. I think I learned that I, I, I learned a lot about like the pressure that I put on myself because, you know, like I said, like you said, like, people are going to be happy for me if I make it, but they're not going to think any differently if I don't. Um, and I think that was really hammered home in this like second round of my career, you know, the second act, as you say. So um, I think that's, that's the biggest thing I learned is that, you know, I'm Reed Malone who swims. I'm not the swimmer Reed Malone. Does that make sense? Like my identity is not swimming. It's just a part of what I do. Um, and I think I was really worried that without swimming, like a part of me would be missing, but, you know, I came to the realization that I'm Reed and swimming just adds on to that rather than swimming takes away from who Reed is, if that makes any sense. Um, and so I think that was probably the healthiest and most beneficial takeaway from this like second act. And do you, do you feel like during this, the second act, the comeback that you were able to swim more freely and train more freely and live your life outside of swimming more freely because of that realization? Um, I think at the end, yes. But like at the beginning and end, yes, I was like pretty like, you know, whatever happens, happens. Uh, But in the middle, I was like a little worried that I wasn't improving fast enough. And then I, you know, kind of took a little bit of like, observation and introspection to be like you know like it's, it's okay like this isn't the be all end all like it's really not not everything you've cracked it up to be um and so i think more than it helping my swimming it just helped me make a decision that i think was like best for my like life going forward rather than best for my swimming career which i think is probably better than making a decision for my swimming career is making a decision like for my life going forward. If that makes any sense. Definitely. Uh, (laughs) I think I've had this, I've had similar conversations with a lot of current swimmers with swimmers who are um, maybe in in the latter phases of their career and swimmers who are no longer swimming, but it's like, you're going to have a life after swimming Yeah, (laughs) and that's going to be the majority of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. And you know, And, you know, uh, realizing what you've learned from swimming and being able to take that into your new phase of your life 
I think is really empowering. Like I feel like really confident in my ability to be successful in whatever I do next, because swimming has taught me a lot about, you know, life in general. Like, you know, you, we, we do all this like really nitty gritty work for like this one meet at the end of the season. And it can seem tedious. The work can seem tedious and it can get old and you, you get sick of it, but then it's so worth it at the end because of the reward. And I think that's, you know, in any job or anything, really anything you do, there's going to like, it's not all going to be like really easy work and you're going to enjoy every second of it. Like there's going to be times when you have to be, you know, you have to grind and be like gritty. And, uh, but the reward at the end is, is going to make all that like uncertainty and like, I don't want to say bad times, but, you know, hard work, some like worth it. Um, and so I'm confident that like, you know, whatever I choose to do next, I have the building blocks to make, make it happen, whatever, whatever that may be. Yeah. And I, it, you've already built some of those blocks. I want to take it back to, uh, I know we talked about this at the Des Moines Pro Swim in 2020, mm-hmm. uh, March, 2020, when you were, were making first making this comeback, but you know, you, you stopped swimming in 2017 and you had a, a, a rich life outside of swimming. Yeah. Can, I want to revisit that for, for the audience who isn't aware, you know, once, once you graduated from USC and, and stepped away from swimming, can you tell us a little about where life took you then? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I was in New York after I was done with school and I was working for the late show with Stephen Colbert. Um, and I was basically just a gopher. So, whatever they needed, if it was coffee or like a spacesuit from some sketch, like I went and got it. Um, and I was part of the production team, which is kind of like the, you oversee every aspect of the, of, of, of the show. So like you check in with the writers and see if they need anything, check in with the props department, see if they need anything or the graphics and um, like the, uh, the fashion department, everything. So you're, you're kind of everywhere, which I love. Like I love to learn like everything about the show I possibly could. And it was such a wild experience because like I was helping produce like the show that was seen by millions of people every night. And I got to meet Stephen Colbert, who's like a hero of mine and uh, meet all these really interesting and cool people and had these crazy experiences with all those cool people. And, um, you know, just, and, and, you know, going relating back to swimming, it wouldn't have been possible without swimming because they saw that I was successful in the pool and I was, uh, you know, successful out of it. And I had, like I said before, the building blocks to be a good gopher and a good person to kind of move up through the ranks if need be. Um, and, you know, like I said before, there's swimming, there's a lot of nitty gritty. That job was all nitty gritty. Like it was all just you got to be, you're running eight blocks to get this thing because it's a, it's a nightly show. Right. So if I have to go get that spacesuit and it's 20 blocks away, I got to go get that in like under 30 minutes. So I got to like run there and run back or like take the train and, you know, just be quick about it. Um, and that's hard. Like it's, it's a lot of, it's a really high pressure situation, even though I'm so low on the totem pole, like it kind of all starts with that because if that doesn't, if I don't get that, then that sketch can't really be done. So it, it taught me a lot about, um, or I guess it reinforced a lot of the stuff I learned in swimming where like you have to be on the, if you're lowest on the totem pole, you got to work the hardest to get back, to get up to the top. And 
while you're there, like you got to make sure that you're putting in every effort you possibly can, because if you don't, you'll look back at the end result. If it's not as good as it could be and be like, well, what could I have done better? Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's a great story. I love that you were for Stephen Colbert. That's, that's so cool. <laughs> and then what, what, what did you end up doing next that, that kind of carried you back to swimming for that second time? Um, yeah, it was just, I wasn't, I was still working in New York. Um, I actually was, I watched the U S open in 2018 and it was the first time I had watched a meet again. And, or I think it was, I don't know if it was called the U S open or nationals, but you know, regardless, I, I watched the meet and I was like, man, I really miss swimming. And about a month earlier, Jeremy Kipp had called me and he was like, Hey, I think I'm going to take this Northwestern job. And I'm thinking about hiring um, your old club coach, Andrew Hodson. What do you think of him? And I was like, yeah, he's a great guy. He's a great coach. I think that he'd be a a great asset. And then it kind of got me thinking like, wow, like they're back in Chicago, like where I'm from. Uh, I stopped swimming because no sponsors really approached me and I couldn't really afford to do it anymore. And this way I could move back home and not pay rent and just kind of swim and, uh, you know, just kind of like planted the seed in my head a little bit. And then I watched US Open and I was like, man, I really want to go back. And so I called Jeremy and I was like, hey, I think I want to come back to swimming. Like, would you, like, could I train with you guys? He was like, yeah, of course. Like, that's no problem. I would love to have you. And so like, maybe the next day I went into the late show and I talked to my boss and I was like, listen, this has been an amazing opportunity. I would like love to continue this later on in my life, but you know, I have a passion for swimming and I just kind of want to follow it. And they were so nice about it because they had followed their passions. You know what I mean? Like there's not, it, once you get to the top, of course, like once you're Stephen Colbert, an executive producer of the show or whatever, like you're making good money. Like it's a, it's a really good job, but you know, you kind of have to follow a passion to get there. Like be really passionate about it because it's a hard, like you're not making much money is what's called a PA, a production assistant. You're not making much money there. And then you become a producer and it's kind of, you know, you really have to love it to stay with it. Uh, and he kind of, re- I kind of related that to swimming and, you know, that he really understood. So I was really happy that they were so supportive of me to like, you know, transition back into swimming. Um, but it, it wasn't like a, it wasn't a new opportunity I was doing that inspired me. It was just kind of watching swimming again. And maybe it's like the addict of swimming in me that just wanted to be back into it. But um, yeah, that's, that's really what motivated me just watching, you know, all my friends that, we're still in the sport at, still have success. So I was like, I can do that. I can, I can still be successful. I know how to work hard. So, and you know, the stars kind of aligned for me. Uh, so I, I thought I would, I, I would, I would jump at that opportunity because why would I not do something that I love for as long as I can? You know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, especially like you said, with a situation where you get to train with your old club coach, your old college coach in your hometown, live yeah. free with mom and dad. I mean, like <laughs> why, who? Yeah. And he hired Megan Hawthorne, who I used to swim with. So like, it was a a family affair. It was great. (laughs) I mean, yeah, that's who wouldn't jump in that opportunity. Yeah. yeah. Um, So, and on that note, I want to take it back even a little further and just kind of revisit some of your highlights. You, um, when we were kind of asking you what went into this retirement, you had told us that it was about the people for you. You know, your career was, was really heavily influenced by the relationships you made 
And that's why you always kind of liked relays better than individuals and performed <laughs> better. And, you know, you've been on some pretty epic relays. I don't want to just get, get your perspective and maybe hear some more stories about your favorite relays, individuals, swim experiences that you've been on throughout your career. Yeah. Um, great. This will be fun. I think uh, my favorite swimming moment, I think hands down is um, in 2015 at NCAAs. We, I was on the 800 free relay and the year before my freshman year, we had, we had won. And I think up until that point, like no team had ever repeated or it had been a really long time since anyone repeated. And in 2014 and my freshman year, I had a really good conference meet. Like I did really well. And then NCAAs, like it wasn't so great. I was the slowest split on the relay. Like my 500 wasn't nearly as fast. My 200 wasn't as fast. And I was kind of disappointed with the end of the season. But then I had a, a good amount of success in the summer. I made the pinback team, like I said before. And um, so going into that year, I was a lot more confident in myself. And we only lost one guy. We only lost Dima Kolopayev and replaced him with Michael Damagala. And that whole year, that was, that was all Sailor was talking about was we got to repeat. Like this is, this is the sign of a really good team that works really hard because, you know, back in my day, it was the, the 800 free relay was the same day as the 200. So that was the greatest event, you know, like it's the third 200 of the day. I didn't make the final that night. So it was only my second 200, but that was my favorite race because, you know, we were behind and I just love the team aspect of swimming. Like I know it's an individual sport, but for me, it was, it's pretty hard to just like do it alone and not have anyone to like converse with or, you know, kind of be miserable with in, in the thick of it. And um, that year we worked really hard. We had one pack 12s that year were the first time in a really long time. I think like 37 years. And, you know, three out of the four guys on that relay were in my class and we were all really close. So, and like, you know, for people who haven't seen it, we were ahead and then we were tied and then we were behind in the third leg. And uh, I jumped in about a second behind and I ended up coming back and winning. And uh, there was a hot mic there and I, like there was a microphone right by the block and I went up and I was like, F yeah, let's F and go. And, you know, it's kind of like a, it got caught on the mic. So at the time I was like, Oh man, that was bad. I shouldn't have done that. But like looking back, it's just really funny to watch. And I got a great video from all my teammates back at USC and it is like sitting in the swim house watching it. And like to see their reaction from it was like, Oh, it made me so happy. Like, that's just the best part. If I can, you know, make those people that I really care about happy with like this one swim I did in a minute and 30 seconds, like just makes me so happy. So I think that's my like warmest memory for sure. I think, and it was everything that I wanted to be. Um, but my problem, a close second is in uh, 2012 uh, the, uh, at our Illinois State meet, we were the first team, at least public school, to go under three minutes in the four free relay, which was great, which was like to set a national record and like do all that stuff with kid with guys that you've known since you were like eight years old. Like that's that's a trip, man. It's crazy. So that's definitely a, a close second in terms of uh, relays. But I mean, there's so many cool experiences, man, like world championships. Like, how could I not talk about that? That like I'm on a relay with Ryan Lochte and Connor Dwyer and uh, Michael Weiss is on that relay, too. And you, know, you step up on the blocks and like I wasn't really thinking about like the moment. And then I got up on the blocks and I saw all these people and like, it's so loud. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. And it's so loud and the race is so close and you hear the announcer and he's speaking a different language and you're like, 
oh man, I'm in world championships. And like, just that like adrenaline rush, just like pushed me to like, yeah, I think I did pretty well. I think I was like 146, which was the fastest I'd been at that point. So we ended up being the first team to lose that relay in a really long time, but you know, that's okay. It was like, you know, not about the end result. It was just, you know, like I said, the experience. So um, I think those are probably my top three, like relay moments. Those were, those were lasting memories for sure. It's so great to get the context on that. I remember the NCAA relay in 2015, just to add a little, a little more context. I think that was when, the NC state men were like coming on really hot as a program and they were yeah. chasing a relay title like yes. really, really, uh, really highly. They really wanted it. There was something the program had never seen. And like, I think they were the team who you were in a tight race with and they were ahead at one point. And then to have you deny them of that yet again, <laughs> yeah. it's just like, Oh man. Yeah. And yeah. in the moment I was so pumped. Like I was celebrating, I was flexing. I was like splashing the water. And then I was like, oh man, like I raised Simone Spillis, who's like one of the nicest dudes in the world. And I was like, after I was like, dude, I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> My emotions got the best of me. And like, they had had such a tough meet in terms of relays because they won the two free relay, but got DQ'd. Mm-hmm. Then I, they lost a free relay because I came back on them. And the four free relay was super tight between us and them. And we ended up pulling it out. So it was such a tough meet for them. But then the next year they got their first relay title and, you know, the rest is history. They've, they've had, they've been on a roll ever since. So um, yeah, just an added storyline. You're right. It was, it was a lot of, a lot of, a lot of things just coming together at the same time. And I think that's why it's probably my favorite, favorite moment. Absolutely. And, and again, it's, it's great to hear your perspective on that uh, 2015 world championships relay, because like you said, it was the first American team to lose that relay in a while, but hearing your perspective, it's like, well, who cares? Like (laughs) goosebumps and there's the crowd and it's like, you're at world championships and it's in that moment. And again, that that goes back to you saying like, my career isn't, isn't just based on me making an Olympic team. It's like my favorite moments aren't based on just winning. Yeah. Just, it's about the experience. It's about what you gain from it. And it's about being in the moment. Yeah, for sure. Taking it for what it is. Yeah, absolutely. And even beyond like the experiences that I had swimming, like my favorite times just like when we'd all, we had a swim house at USC and everyone would just come over on like Sunday mornings or like after a Saturday practice and we'd all just kind of hang out and, you know, just like, I don't know, I shoot, I, I don't want to swear, but you know, just like shoot the stuff and just like hang out and be together and that's my favorite those are my favorite moments for sure like just joking around and being around like your closest friends and like those who didn't live in the swim house lived right across the street so I'm literally a minute walk away from anyone I want to talk to so I think those are my favorite moments and like you know and even in high school like goofing around the locker room or like on the national teams like playing poker at night and like just like hanging out with my heroes at the time like you know just the small experiences beyond just in the pool. I think that is what I meant by like making my career a success, you know, like the world championship relays and the national titles and whatever, those are great, but it's just like getting to know people you really care about even better. And like having shared experiences that you can look back on forever and like have creating bonds with people that, you know, I 
when I talk to my old teammates, it's like I never left them. You know what I mean? Like it, we just pick up where we left off. And I think that's really rare. I don't, I don't, I don't know where else like you'd be able to cultivate that kind of relationship. Um, and, you know, it's just, it, that's what makes, I think my career pretty special. Now I've got goosebumps. <laughs> very, very, very well said. And for anyone listening, uh, especially younger swimmers who are, who are still in the sport right now, just, you know, take a minute and, and realize what you've got right now. And it's not all about making that national team or Olympic team or, you know, high school varsity team. It's, it's yeah. about getting to know your teammates and, and, uh, yeah, just just being present for that and, and what you've got in the here. And yeah, now. absolutely. That's, that's great. So so to to wrap things up here with you, Reed, I gotta ask: Do do you have a plan moving forward? <laughs> you going back to New York to the Late Show, or you know what what's 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 your plan for for right now at least? Um, I think I think I I'm putting like the Late Show stuff on hold. I think that. Um, just based on kind of my personality and, you know, what I learned from swimming, I think I want to go into sales, uh, like tech sales really intrigued me. Um, and so this path, I think, so I drove back, I have to tell this story because it's an insane story. I drove back from San Diego to Chicago and I was going to stop at like the Grand Canyon. I was with my girlfriend and my dog. I was going to stop at the Grand Canyon and then Zion and Arches National Parks. And Grand Canyon was the you first gotta. time. Yeah, I just have to do it, right? Like, I can't just make the trip. Like, that would be so boring. So we're going from San Diego to Arizona. And my girlfriend's looking on the weather map. And she's like, I think there's a storm coming, but we're north of it. Like, it should be fine. Or we're south of it. Or we didn't think we were going to hit it. Spoiler alert, we hit it. So it starts to get slippery on the roads. And because it's Arizona, like, they don't have any plows. They don't have any salt on the roads. Like, kind of like Austin, I'm sure. Like, they're just totally unprepared. So in front of us, two um, semi-trucks had collided, like everyone ended up being fine, but they collided and like we were stuck in standstill traffic. So we stopped, like literally stopped at like 3.30 and we were there for about like an hour. And so they're trying to clear out the semis. And while we're sitting there, the snow, like the it changed paths or something, the huge storm just changed paths and was right on top of us. And Coleman, I'm not kidding, there were probably 14 inches of snow on the ground it was insane. And so I'm with my dog. I'm with my girlfriend. We're just like sitting in the car at a quarter tank of gas left. I'm like, am I going to die on I-40 in Arizona? Like, am I going to freeze to death here? So, but it ended up being fine. We were like stuck there. We just like walked my dog up and down the highway. I was making friends with the truckers, like asking what was going on. They were asking about my dog and if she was okay and making some friends. <laughs> we ended up being stuck for 10 hours. 10 hours. It was insane. We got stuck at, did I say 3.30? Sorry, I meant 6.30. And then we were stuck until- 6.30 p.m. P.m., yes. And we were stuck until four in the morning. So what, nine and a half hours? Yeah. It was insane. We finally got going and we had to find gas, but none of the gas stations were open because it was snowed in. You like literally just couldn't even enter the driveway. So we were pretty stressed about that. We couldn't find a place to stay. But, you know, I stayed calm. Everything that I learned in swimming, I stayed calm and I kind of, we figured it out. But yeah, it was a wild story. I kind of forget what you asked me before. Oh, oh. so <laughs> yeah, so that was about, that was about two weeks ago. Uh -huh. And I got home. Yeah, I guess two weeks ago. 
And since then, I've just been like, it's a good thing I was like recruiting in high in college and, you know, captain trying to find the next USC swimmer because I've gotten really good at stalking people on LinkedIn and like figuring out what they like and what they, you know, how they operate. So the past week, it's just been like stalking people on LinkedIn and figuring out like, you know, what my next step is. And um, if there's anyone out there listening to this that wants to hire me, like, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> perfect right <laughs> tech salesman yeah. reed malone check him out on linkedin yes exactly <laughs> um well reed it's always great talking to you it, it was great getting your perspective on on a on a very successful swimming career in the pool out of the pool um i appreciate you taking the time to to chat with me today a- any parting thoughts before we sign off um no i guess kind of just want to reiterate what you said to like any younger swimmers listen to this, like, you know, take a moment every practice or every couple of days, be like, wow, I really like being here. I really like the people that I'm with and I like my coaches and, but, you know, just recognize that. I heard a saying one time that like youth is wasted on the young because, you know, they kind of forget to be in the moment. They always look forward and I would encourage them to just kind of be in the moment for a second and, whether you're in college or you're in high school or you're still in club swimming, like just, you know, recognize that the people around you are like some of your best friends, I hope. And, um, you know, just really cherish that because it goes away and then you really miss it. And that, you know, that's kind of what happens, I think, you know, in life at every stage, but, you know, I really miss those days when, you know, we were sitting on the couch and on, on a Sunday morning in the swim house and just kind of hanging out with everyone. And, um, I look back fondly, of course, but, you know, I, I, sometimes I wish that I really cherish those moments a little more. So I'd encourage everyone to, to do just that. Um, not even in swimming, just in your regular life. Like that, it, that's another lesson I've kind of learned is you recognize like life is pretty cool and you're, you're, you're doing a cool thing no matter what you're doing. So um, I'd just like, like to reiterate like that, that thought you had earlier. You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.